Some of, some of us, welcome to the afternoon, depending on what time, where everybody is in this world. We've been spending uh, just one note, like a service announcement. For those who are coming on um, mid now, like midway, don't worry about it. Like we, we, we review, we, we circle back. Um, so wherever we start together uh, is the right place to start. So for those that are coming on for the first time now, welcome. For those that are coming back, thank you. It means a lot to me. We've been talking a lot about this idea of the mind, the scripts, the thoughts. The reason why we're doing this is because this is the game. This is the battle. The battle doesn't take place in um, the battle doesn't take place in our hands. Our hands are once you get to our hands, the battle is either won or it's lost. The battle takes place in our minds. So it it, it pays to spend time in that world to understand it, to get a greater grasp of what's going on. And the reason why it's so difficult is because we can't see it the way we can see other things. So we have to somehow go in blindly into our minds, right? We're like walking into an area of which we can't see. And it goes even more. We don't know what's us. It's an amazing thing that there's the essential me and then there's my thoughts. And my thoughts could have come because of something that came to me. My thoughts could have come because of something that I saw or heard. My thoughts could have been because of someone else's thoughts. The persistence, there's a certain level of, you know, it passes down. Somebody gives it to you and you give it to somebody else. It's like a, it's like a virus. Someone could be plagued with the virus of anger and as a result, pass it down to somebody else who wasn't born angry, was just been conditioned to act in a certain way and challenge. And so, so much of what we're doing is being driven by our mind, but it is our mind that may be driven by other things. It's incredible. We could be living our lives and a portion of it is just like not even us. Just think about it. Think about like being in a world. Where, and again, I'm so, I keep on going back to these same examples only because they're so simple because it's not as complex, even though it's not simple, but still. Think about growing up in a home where nobody eat. Let's assume you go up in a home and in the home, the feeling is if, you're, if it tastes good, you eat it, let's say. Let's say. So that kid wasn't born with the perspective that whatever it is that you want to eat, you eat. It, that's not how kids are born. When kids get full, they, they stop eating. You ever feed a baby? And first of all, they eat. You ever taste formula? I did once. I like put my finger in it, see if it was hot. And I got too much on my finger. I was like, oh my gosh, my kids are eating this? Formula is disgusting. And the kids eat it. And when you give them too much formula, they spit it out. You know why? Because we're born with this concept that food is medicine. Food isn't a, a playground of, of being able to just use our mouths as pleasure centers and then making us pay for it for our bodies. It's medicine. It's supposed to be there to make us stronger. And the reason why it tastes good is because God's good to us. And there are things that taste good and make sure it works. How we turn food into like some target of our pleasure, it's just sort of a Western concept of let's just gorge. We didn't get that growing up. We, we didn't get that. We weren't born with that. We got that. 
So, so much of what we're doing, whether it's in our actions or it's in our minds, could be just given to us. We're like just passing it on. We're not even like there. And one of the things that we're trying to hit at here is this idea that there is a difference between who I am and even what I, for sure who I am and what I do. That's what we did three weeks ago. What we're going into now is there's a difference between who I am and how I think or what I think, not how I think, what I think. That's a big separation that needs to take place. It could drive you crazy if you overthink it, so don't. But if you underthink it, it can leave you like a robot. If you're plagued by your thoughts, it can leave you like a robot. And there are people like this. A lot of people like this. I've got friends of mine who are psychologists, psychiatrists. They tell me all the time. There are people that walk in and they're like, it's just too hard to control or try to get a handle on my thoughts. For some people, they, they need medicine. That's okay. That's cool. That's why we have doctors. It's like, there's some people that need. Okay, wonderful. Some people don't. It's just hard to control your thoughts. And they don't want to. They just want something. And maybe if it's not an actual pill, maybe it's hours in front of a screen. I don't know. Maybe it's destructive behaviors. Maybe it's not controlling yourself. It's because we haven't yet found the I that can stand above the thinking and determine which of these thoughts we're going to go with and which of these thoughts we're not. Yesterday, we introduced the concept of separating self from thought. And in the beginning, it's going to sound... I don't know what the right word is. I feel like it sounds a little weirdish. Like, not, the word's not weirdish. It's like, you know, it's like non... Sometimes we like things that are like hard. I can touch it. I can taste it. I can feel it. The minute we get to like thinking and I have my thoughts, I'm not my thoughts. Some people feel like, nah, 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 nah. It's too new agey for me. But we spoke about this concept yesterday and we used this example of a projector. At least the projector that I made up. I don't know if it's actually what happens, but the concept is there, which is the projector is the mechanism that takes the film as it passes through and shines a light in it. And it is the light that gives life to that image. Because the people sitting in the theater, all they're looking for is the image. And they think the image is real. In fact, they think the image is so real that if somebody in the movie dies, they cry. Now, that person who dies could have gotten an Academy Award for dying. They could, have, they could be living in the biggest mansion in Beverly Hills because they're the best dyer in Hollywood. But they're still crying because it's so real in the moment. If you think about the process, the moment that that image became real, even though it's not to the person, is the moment, not when the film came out. You need the film, obviously, but not when the film comes. Because if that film goes up and goes around, that real, and the projector ain't working, they're not seeing anything on that screen. So understand that if you think about the you, the I, you, the essential you, which, by the way, we can never know what that is. We can never understand what that is. All we can do is use the process of illumination to know what it's not. And then assume that whatever left it is until we know what else it's not. 
Just checking my time. Right, Frank Nitty. Ken got it. That was yesterday. Right, Ken? Awesome. So if, you, if we can understand where we're at, the film that comes through is our thoughts. It comes at us, right? It's got real images on it. It's got detail on it. All of a sudden, we're sitting there and like, I'm back. For those who pray regularly, you know, you go back all the time. <laughs> like, I'm always, the minute you have to concentrate on one thing, you're, I'm, it's amazing. I could be like, literally trying to say a few words and I'm like back in like 12th grade. I'm like in like the middle of a conversation with something like, how did I even get here? Their thoughts, neuroconnections, thoughts, they pass by that. You, the essential I, is the one that is going to determine how much light to give to each thought. If something comes by and you shine a light, now if you've got no control over the I, if there's no space between you and your thoughts, then every thought is either, usually the thoughts that are the scariest or the, or the hardest are the ones that get the most light because you're relying on your natural survival mechanism. So if you're going to think, um, I could do it, and then you're going to think, I can't do it, well, if you have to choose between I could and I can't, I can't keeps you safer. That's how it works. It's like this whole thing. I'm not going to get into quarantining for a second. I told you this whole thing, whatever. We're, oh, fine, I'll get into it. Somebody took a test in our family, and it in speaking to the doctors, they realized that because that person had antibodies, they shouldn't have taken a test. So they most likely don't have the virus. And then they retook it and they still don't have the virus. So now in speaking to the doctors, they said, well, I know you probably don't have it, but you got to quarantine anyways for 14 days. We said, how come? And they said, because we don't really know. So because we don't really know, like, we play it safe. I can't. Now, whether they're right or wrong is irrelevant. I can't is always the safer move. Just play it safe, stay home. Because if you, God forbid, if someone has it, it's not worth the risk. So whenever your brain is given the choice between your good or your bad, I can or I can't, you're always going to choose I can't. Because I can't will always keep you safer. So if you're indiscriminate, if you're, if you're not going to look at your thoughts and in any difference, if there's no I that's part of this thinking process. If everything is the same, what's going to happen is as the thoughts come into your mind that are the ones that are going to keep you safe, it will automatically take preference. You'll automatically seek to confirm how you feel because that feels better. And there's a certain safety in, in being right. That's why people hang out, people that are just like them. It's an incredible concept. You hear someone with a different opinion and you can't handle it. There are people getting divorced because they are voting for two different people for president. I mean, just think about that concept that I have a different belief than you as to who should run this country. And as a result, I can't live with you. That idea that if it's hard for me to deal with it, then that thought that's coming into my head that is more challenging is going to get more attention just like if I'm walking down the street, if someone's walking down the street and they see two cars and one is driving normally and one is swerving, they're all going to put all their attention to the thing that is swerving because the thing that is swerving is going to be potentially more dangerous to them. 
It's how our brain works. It's how our schema is set up. There's too much out there to take in. Our brain looks for things that are either relevant or dangerous. So if we don't assert ourselves into our thoughts, we're always going to stay safe. We're always going to stay right. We're always going to stay comfortable because that's how we're programmed. But once we recognize that I and my thoughts are separate, now we need to understand how to use the light properly. And so when that thought comes into your mind, the proper use is to understand, okay, how much light should I shine on this? How much of this should I engage with? How much of this thought should I bring into my consciousness? How much of the thought should I engage in and give credit to and give validity to? It's like that in life. If you're running a government, if you're running a state, you're running a, a city, and there's a line of people speaking with you, and one guy gets up and says, this is ridiculous, the parking tickets, parking should be free. And you, you may be looking at me like, I got it. Like, I appreciate it. Like, thanks. And then the next person may come to you, maybe your, your top advisor. And you'd be like, what, really? You think so? They're both saying words. Is that you, as the mayor, as the governor, are the light. And you have to shine a different amount of light on the words of some random guy in the street that's just spewing his stuff and your top advisor. That's like what it's like in your mind. We have to learn how to take this belief and this thought and that thought and shine different lights on it. This thought gets darkness. It's not true. I know I could do this. Now, I feel like I can't do it, but I know I can do it. So I'm done giving expression to this thought. So when the thought comes into my mind, I just let it pass. I don't engage in it. The Talmud says this. The Talmud says that when you deal with people, when you deal with fools, the way you deal with the fool is you don't engage the fool in regular matters. In certain matters, you should, but in regular, when that foolish thought comes in that you know is not true because you've done it and it's been okay, or that person can't be that bad, or the kid is not trying to be malicious, he's a kid, or the person is not, when all that stuff, 20, 30%, of our day that is just, we know is just our insecurities or just our hangups or just our grudges. As that passes by, we can't stop that thought. You can't stop that film from coming down. And here's the problem. We try to. I should be thinking that. Why am I thinking that for? Why am I thinking like this for? When the thing comes down, just let it go. Stare at it and go, hmm, am I still thinking like that? It's as relevant to you as the ticker. If you invest in the stock market and you look at a ticker, for those of you who know have who are in Wall Street or know Wall Street guys, they've got these terminals at their desk. And one of the pieces of these, I think these 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 tickers. So they're looking at the ticker half and they're looking all day, but guess what? They're only looking for the stocks that they care about. Those thoughts are coming by you all day. Only there are stuff that just passes right by. You almost laugh at it. Like, it's funny to you that, like, you're still thinking about this. By doing that, you're separating yourself. And by separating yourself, you are enabling those thoughts to not have expression in your mind.
Hold on one second. Let me just turn on the lights here. That's a little better or not. That concept, you shine no light on those thoughts. And then there are other thoughts that are like sort of, eh. You shine a little light on the thoughts. When I mean shine light, I mean you bring them into your mind. And then there are other thoughts that you have to hold on to. You ever had this before? If anyone ever did anything in public, this happens all the time, at least to me or others. Anything you do in front of other people, anything, your, your business, your career, your family, you can do something. People can go, that was great. You can get 10 that was greats. One person goes, down like that. And you come out and all you're thinking is, it was terrible. <laughs> Why? Probability-wise, you've got a 10 to 1 ratio of it being better than, than one person. How come? Because that thought touches a core of this need to be socially accepted, which is a survival trait. So that thought of you're not good enough gets so much light. And the thought that, that you are good gets nothing. But once you understand that how you feel is just a thought, you can now hold on to that I am good and bring it into your mind and think about that. Not to be arrogant, but to build the confidence that you're going to need before you get into the next thing that you're going to do. And you can look at the thing that I'm not good enough and just let it pass. Okay, the guy's a hater. Or maybe there's something I can learn about it. But to, to be lost in that thought and that pain. And we have that ability to do that. There's a book that I remember reading. I pulled it off my shelf. I don't really know who this guy is. Someone sent it to me. It's called I Can Make You Happy by a guy named McKenna. I don't, I'm, not vowing, I'm not vouching for it. I'm just saying I found it on my shelf. I thought about you guys. And this guy basically says he's like a, a hypnotist. And he explains how the way you, he can make somebody happy, he puts, sits them in his, in his office and he has them remember the past. This is what he does. And as you remember the past, for the some thoughts that are really plaguing them, he like has them turn the colors off and the sound, in their mind, sound and colors, until it's like a black image. And for the stuff that he wants to grow them in, he has them remember the moment where they've been successful and then he has them visualize more colors, more sound. And the more they do that, the greater that feeling is on them and how it starts to change how they think. It's just an idea, but the concept is the same. It's hard. What I'm talking about today is super hard. Is that NLP? I didn't even know that. Leron says it's NLP. It's hard, but we need to engage in hard stuff to win. We're living in a, if you look at the world today, the world is engaged in war. It's hard to be a spy. It's hard to engage in really difficult aspects of war, but you're not going to win if you don't play. This is hard work, but it's worth our efforts. And if all we do is, if all we do is get a little bit better, it's worth it. So how, so here's what I want you to do today. I just want you to try to see if you can watch some of your thoughts. Just try a little bit when you have a thought that comes throughout your day, just to try to like vision, envision, envision yourself as separate from that thought. If you can just break away a little bit and say, hmm, I don't, is that me or is that my thought? And then if you can possibly let a bad thought pass, just one bad thought. Someone says something you don't like, just let it just go by. Just give it not just give it nothing. Like as if you're watching it on a ticker. We'll start to build the muscles of our minds.
And then over the next few days, we'll talk about how those muscles are actually shaping our beliefs, which is changing our schema, which is how we can build this as a ritual, which can make this automatic. We'll get there with God's help. All right. So for those that came in for the daily boost today, thank you so much. Uh, have an incredible day. And with God's help, I can't wait to see you again tomorrow. 